0: talk to Lay down Sally There's no need to leave so soon
1: I've been trying all night
0: long just to talk to you Lay down Sally I'm resting in my arms Don't you think you want someone to talk to Lay down Sally There's no need to leave so soon I've been trying news, talk, and sports. WQKR Portland, 1270 AM and 1017 FM.
2: And now, Portland's News, brought to you by Portland Natural Gas. A teacher's aide in Sumner County has been arrested after it was discovered she allegedly had been in a sexual relationship with a student. 42-year-old Shonda Cartwright was taken into custody Tuesday following a months-long investigation. On June 8th, the Millersville Police Department was contacted by a concerned family member of a 17-year-old boy regarding an alleged sexual relationship between the student and Cartwright, who was a teacher's aide at White House Middle School. As a result of the investigation, authorities found the relationship began about two years ago. Messages between the woman and the boy were found on Snapchat. Detectives learned that Cartwright had sex with the student approximately 15 times before his family members discovered what was going on. The Millersville Police Department presented the case to a grand jury earlier this month. Sealed indictments were returned against Cartwright for statutory rape by an authority figure and continuous sexual abuse of a child. She has since been booked into the Sumner County Jail and suspended without pay by Sumner County Schools pending the outcome of the criminal charges against her. A day on the lake turned into a day in the shop after a Hendersonville man said his car's catalytic converter was stolen in broad daylight while he was fishing. Philip Arrington said he goes fishing at Rockland Park in Hendersonville about once a week. But when he returned to his vehicle Monday, he said he knew right away his catalytic converter had been stolen. It makes a distinct noise that's louder than normal, he said. Owner of Inglewood Muffler & Hitch, Gary Hendricks, said he sees about 10 or 15 customers every day with a stolen catalytic converter. Hendersonville Police said it's become a trend across Middle Tennessee, as the catalytic converter can be cut off of a vehicle in just a few minutes. Phillips said he's now out about $1,000 for a replacement. Hendersonville police said they've been cracking down on the crimes during traffic stops as a Tennessee state law requires someone to notify law enforcement if they're traveling with an unattached catalytic converter. After fire crews from several agencies worked to put out the fire at the construction site of the new Sumner County Courthouse early this week, Officials are releasing new information. They say the TVI will be investigating the incident because the courthouse is a public building and taxpayer dollars are involved. The cause of the fire has not yet been determined. Members of the Sumner County EMA were the first to arrive on the scene Sunday night after they saw heavy smoke and flames coming from the roof. Fire investigators said about 30% of the roof and materials on top of the roof were damaged in the fire. No injuries to fire crews or anyone else were reported. Fire investigators are working with the National Weather Service to determine if there was a lightning strike at the time of the fire. Construction on the new courthouse began in April of last year and it was set to open in 2023. The total cost of the project was estimated to be about $83 million. For convenience and cost efficiency, a gas-heated home is your natural choice with natural gas provided by Portland Natural Gas. When you have natural gas in your home, you can have savings in your bank account. Natural gas is the most efficient energy source and can save you up to hundreds of dollars a year compared to other fuels. So for the energy cost you can live with, make the natural choice. Natural gas from Portland Natural Gas. For more information, call 325-6776. Portland's News has been brought to you by Portland Natural Gas. If you smoke or vape or know people who do, you're more vulnerable to the COVID-19... While the hosts and guests on this program are encouraged to express their views, they do not necessarily reflect those of the ownership or management of WQKR.
0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Loyal Opposition. I'm your guest host, David Hicks, standing in for Lena Sante, who will be back next week to bring you the Loyal Opposition. You're listening to WQKR Portland. It's 75 degrees outside and lightly raining at the Portland Municipal Airport. Today, we're going to cover a couple of stories because one of our goals at the Loyal Opposition is to prevent misinformation and eliminate knee-jerk reactions to stories that are taken out of context. The first story is about Walgreens employees can refuse to sell customers' contraceptives, such as condoms, if doing so conflicts with their religious beliefs. According to the AP, there's a missing context there. A spokesman for the pharmacy chain told the Associated Press, Walgreens policy is that employees can decline to complete a customer's transaction if they have religious or moral objections to the sale, but they must then hand it off to a coworker or manager who can finish the transaction. The facts. Walgreens' policy of allowing individual employees to decline to sell items that conflict with their beliefs has been widely discussed online in recent days after multiple customers shared popular posts about workers refusing to sell them contraceptives. The story sparked calls to boycott Walgreens, but some posts on the topic misrepresented the company's policy by failing to explain that employees are still required to have another worker complete the sale. Others falsely suggested that the chain was refusing such sales entirely. A July 19th Instagram post that was liked more than 4,000 times, for example, claimed Walgreens is hit with a wave of boycotts after it's revealed that employees are permitted to refuse the sale of condoms and emergency contraceptives to customers because of their religious beliefs. A similar post on Twitter by the same group was shared more than 30,000 times. Other posts took the claim a step further, in red states, Walgreen is refusing to sell condoms, claimed one, te- one tweet. "Walgreens said they can and will refuse to sell condoms and birth control, said another. Scott Goldberg, director of global corporate communications at Walgreen's Boots Alliance, the parent company, clarified the policy in a statement to the AP. In the instance a team member has a religious belief that prevents them from meeting a customer need, we require them to refer the customer to another employee or manager on duty who can complete the transaction. Merrick Rossin, a law professor at the City University of New York, told the AP that Walgreens policy is legally sound under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which states that employers must accommodate employees' religious beliefs unless they create an undue burden for the employer. Rossin who specializes in employment discrimination, explained that whether such an accommodation for selling contraceptives would be an undue burden to Walgreens could depend on where specific stores are located. In a big city, for example, a customer could just go to another Walgreens location. But in a small town with only one or two employees on duty at the sole pharmacy, accommodating such an objection while fulfilling the company's obligations to its customers could be difficult, he said. If a pharmacist did not want to fill a prescription due to moral or religious beliefs, and there was not another employee who could fill it, Goldberg told the AP that if this rare instance would occur, we would make sure that our patient gets their medication if it means transferring the prescription to another Walgreens location. These assertions have surfaced following the U.S. Supreme Court's decision last month to overturn the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling, ending constitutional... uh, ending constitutional right to legal abortions. Our second story. This story I'd like to preface a little bit. This story is about General Mark Milley. It's, he is the, currently the 20th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the nation's highest-ranking military officer and principal military advisor to the President, Secretary of Defense, and National Security Council. General Milley has had multiple command and staff positions in eight divisions and special forces throughout his 42 years to include command of the 1st Battalion, 506th Infantry, 2nd Infantry Division, the 2nd Brigade, 10th Mountain Division, Deputy Commanding General, 101st Airborne Division, Air Assault, Commanding General, 10th Mountain Division, Commanding General, 3rd Corps, and Commanding General, U.S. Army Forces Command. General Milley's operational deployments include the multinational force and observers, Sinai in Egypt, Operation Just Cause in Panama, Operation Uphold Freedom in Haiti, Operation Joint Endeavor in Bosnia-Herzegovina, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Iraq, and three tours doing Operation Enduring Freedom, Afghanistan. He's also deployed to Somalia and Colombia. In addition to his bachelor's degree in political science from princeton university general milley has a master's degree in international relations from columbia university and one from the u.s naval war college in national security and strategic studies he is also a graduate of the mit seminar 21st national security studies program general milley and his wife holly have been married for 36 years and have two children general milley's record is impeccable he is an american hero who has served his country and its constitution for 42 years. His education, training, commands, and deployment give credibility and expertise to his opinions and observations. In short, this man is a true patriot, and his motives are beyond reproach. And here is the story published in the Military Times. Milley almost quit over Trump and wrote a biting resignation letter under a new book that will be released soon. It's an excerpt from The New Yorker, authors Peter Baker and Susan Glasser, senior reporters for The New York Times and The New Yorker, respectively, reveal shocking details from inside former President Donald Trump's relationship with top military brass. In their book, The Divider, Trump in the White House, Baker and Glasser outline the departure of seemingly one top official after another, starting with the decision to replace former Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Joseph Dunford, in late 2018. These were very untalented people and once i realized it i did not rely on them i relied on the real generals and admirals within the system trump told the new yorker about top military leadership including generals dunford john kelly and james mattis also revealed in the excerpt is a never seen before letter of resignation written by chairman of the joint chiefs of staff general mark milley written in the days and weeks following the killing of george floyd and the resulting black lives matter protests in 2020 Milley outlined how the Trump White House was causing fear and distrust of the military in the eyes of Americans across the country. He wrote in his letter, You're using the military to create fear in the minds of the people, and we're trying to protect the American people. I cannot stand idly by and participate in that attack, verbally or otherwise, on the American people. The American people trust their military, and they trust us to protect them against all enemies, foreign and domestic and our military will do just that. We will not turn our back on the American people. Milley also went on to detail how serving Trump meant going back on the oath all service members make to uphold the standards set forth in the U.S. Constitution. We're all Americans, he wrote in his letter, that under these colors of red, white, and blue, the colors that my parents fought for in World War II mean something around the world. It's obvious to me that you don't think of these colors in the same way I do it's obvious to me that you don't hold these values dear and the cause that I serve. Milley rounded out the letter he never sent, following advice from other prominent military leaders, including retired Army General James Dubick and former Secretary of Defense and CIA Chief Robert Gates, by claiming that the President was undoing lessons learned and conflicts fought since the First World War. It's my deeply held belief that you're ruining the international order and causing significant damage to our country overseas that was fought for so hard by the greatest generation that they instituted in 1945. Between 1914 and 45, 150 million people were slaughtered in the conduct of war. They were slaughtered because of tyrannies and dictatorships. That generation, like every generation, has fought against that, has fought against fascism, has fought against Nazism, has fought against extremism. It's now obvious to me that you don't understand that world order, he wrote. You don't understand what the war was all about. In fact, you subscribe to many of the principles that we fought against, and I cannot be a party to that. It is with deep regret that I hereby submit my letter of resignation. Since his revelations about his letter of resignation have hit the news, he has suffered serious numbers of attacks from the GOP, even going so far as to being called a traitor to the American people, which I think his record certainly supports that he is not a traitor. This isn't a screaming liberal, as many would accuse him of being. This is a man who cares about his country, who cares about his Constitution, and who cares about his oath, and I think that his assertions certainly hold some merit and certainly hold the ability to be considered by every American in the United States. This is not a political attack. This was his opinion based upon 42 years of service to this country. I have with me a gentleman, Cole Shepard, from, uh, with an intelligence background in the United States military. And I would like to uh, ask him to tell us a little bit about himself and perhaps make a comment on this article. And I'd like to get his take on it. Sure, hi, thank you
3: very much. And hello Portland, Um, I'm happy to be up here, happy to be on the radio. A little bit about my background, I'll keep this as brief as possible. I'm 60 years old, so we could talk a long time about that. But um, I'm originally from rural Alabama, a little town about the size of Bethpage. Ended up joining the military. Um, Basically I needed hunting boots and fishing clothes, uh, hunting clothes. and, and I needed to reach escape velocity to get out of the community and find a job. So I got in, um, had no intention of making the military a career, um, ended up in intelligence, and 30 years later I decided to retire. I did 20 years active duty um, and then 10 years as a civilian in the intelligence community. And, and almost all of my military time was also in the intelligence community. Sprinkled in there were, um, you know, several combat deployments to Iraq, Afghanistan, Horn of Africa, places like that. Uh, we retired, decided to end up uh, in Sumner County. Uh, we love it. Uh, we've been here. We bought our house in 2013. I actually fully retired in 2018. Um, but we, we absolutely love it here. So that's kind of, that's, that's the short story.
0: So, Cole, what do you think about that story and the attacks on General Milley?
3: So... I've met Millie a few times, um, and I can tell you real quick that he does not wear his politics on his sleeve, uh, nor do most military officers and NCOs. Um, You you would not know by meeting him and talking to him all night long where his politics are. Um, He's just that kind of man. Um, If I had to guess, I would guess that he is absolutely not a screaming liberal <laughs> if you know that that would be my guess, although again you know as as a as a good officer, he does not let that come through you know when he has his uniform on when he's performing his duties, he is absolutely apolitical in in my experience um and and again, that's true with most officers and I witnessed. A lot of what he witnessed uh, in my time in Washington and and in the government during the Trump administration, um, I had a lot of friends who quit. Um, you know, you may ask, well, why didn't I quit? Um, I never was put in the situation that Millie was put in. I was fairly insulated from from overt politicization of my position uh, by the by the fact of what I did and intelligence community so i never was specifically faced with that but i know you know i have several close friends uh that that have gone through that same thing so um i absolutely sympathize with millie um i see what he did um, you know and I, and I understand why he said what he said
0: okay we will come back in just a moment this is wqkr portland tennessee right after this break
2: If you smoke or vape or know people who do, you're more vulnerable to the COVID-19 virus. Smoking and vaping weaken lung health, increasing the risks of having COVID-19-related complications. Although COVID-19 poses a risk to everyone, people using opioids and methamphetamines are at a greater risk due to the effect these drugs have on the respiratory system. And alcohol? It's just as dangerous as any drug can be, taking thousands of lives on our highways in alcohol-related accidents every year. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't vape. Don't do meth. Live longer. A message in the public interest from the Sumner County Anti-Drug Coalition. For more information, visit them online at www.sumnercoalition.org.
1: Do you know that practicing gratitude promotes a positive mindset, strengthens your self-esteem, reduces stress and anxiety, and improves sleep? Hi, Michelle Harbin, certified nutrition coach and owner of Harbin Hollow Local Market here. Being in a state of appreciation is a large part of my daily wellness routine. Since opening Harbin Hollow, I give thanks daily for the many opportunities our little market provides. I'm grateful for the farmers and small batch artisans who share their crops, products, and talents with us. I am grateful for our team and the sense of family we foster. And I am beyond thankful for the Portland community and each of you that continually chooses to shop small and spread the local love. Visit Harbin Hollow Local Market to enjoy local meats, dairy, baked goods, bath and body products, handmade jewelry, and more. Remember, 67 cents of every dollar you spend at a local small business stays right here in our community. Join me in a moment of gratitude for the opportunity to support so many local folks. And come see us at 809 North Broadway in Portland to shop local today.
3: No one told them. No one warned them about the house on Willow Lane. Ah! What is it? It's the house. It's, it's alive.
2: Here, Looney.
4: Have you seen this energy bill? Ah, This house is robbing us blind!
3: If your house is an energy thief, TVA and your local power company would like to help make your home more efficient and lower your bills. To learn more, visit energyrights.com.
2: We're CEMC. The Portland Sun is our local hometown newspaper where we can find out all the news about our friends, neighbors, businesses, schools, churches, and everything going on in our area. Every week, the latest issue of The Sun is full of the news we want and need, and it's only $20 a year for a subscription to get it mailed directly to your home. The Portland Sun, our hometown newspaper. For a subscription, call 615-384-6212 or go to theportlandsun.com on Online And click on the word subscribe.
0: Welcome, welcome back. This is the Loyal Opposition. I'm your guest host, David Hicks, and you're listening to WQKR Portland. It's 75 degrees outside and cloudy at the Municipal Airport. Today's guest is Cole Shepard, and we are gonna be talking about differences in foreign policy decisions between Democratic and Republican administrations and how it affects every American. Now, Cole, you spent quite a bit of time in the intelligence community. How many years total was that? 30. 30 years. So my question would be, um, let's talk about Ukraine. Okay. Ukraine is... Huge in the news right now. Everybody's talking about Ukraine. Um, the first question: Why should we care in Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, about what's going on in Ukraine? So there,
3: there are two big reasons. Um, first is, is trade, um, and and the things we you know we need every day. That that being food and, and fuel, gasoline in particular. Um, Russia is a large oil exporter. Um, we are we also you know export a good bit of oil but but we depend upon the world market you know it's, it's a commodity so so prices are set globally not domestically um a a significant conflict like this particularly when there's an oil producer involved you know will will dramatically impact the price of oil and the price of oil was already hurting due to 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 you know disruptions from covid and things like that so the war the you know the russian invasion of ukraine just made it exponentially worse, um, and, and the other issue is food. Ukraine and Russia both are, are, you know, some of the world's top grain producers. And again, that's a it's a global market. Um, we we don't import that much grain here in the United States. As a matter of fact, we're a net, net exporter of grain. But again, these prices are set on the world stage. So what happens in Ukraine will impact. The cost of, you know, a loaf of bread, you know, your sausage and biscuit in the morning, things like that. It's, it's,
0: so you're saying that if, if Ukraine has to reduce its exports, that's going to drive the cost of grain up everywhere. Everywhere. Which it, will then result in higher prices everywhere. Yep. Okay. Everywhere.
3: And and and, the same, and, and this is a double whammy on the grain because Russia is also a major grain, global grain producer. So you're take effectively taking... Ukraine and Russia off the market. So, you know, and and Russia's also a massive producer of fertilizer um, that's exported to the United States and other places. So, there, I mean, you know, the oil, fertilizer, grain, they, they, there are a lot of things that would cause disruption.
0: Okay. My next question, um, when the invasion occurred, President Biden's administration, in my opinion, did something that's kind of atypical for a Democratic administration. He went all in. I mean, we have sent billions of dollars of military assistance to the Ukrainian government to try to defend their, basically their freedom. So is that typical, do you think, or is that somewhat unique?
3: So you can find, you know, you can find uh, contrarian examples of what I'm getting ready to say, you know, sure. ac- across the spectrum here, both on both sides. But Generally speaking, in my experience over the last 30 years, democratic administrations are a little more reluctant to jump in with both feet in a major international crisis. Um, it, it, you, you may face incrementalism as far as as dealing with it, which you know often doesn't help. Um, conversely, you know, in my experience during, during a Republican administration, they are quicker to, to jump in with both feet um and and you know go in and try to solve the problem whether whether that be with military power or or you know sanctions or or you know other instruments of national power so in this situation um it was pretty interesting to see joe biden jump in you know and and really quick and start providing things essentially very very fast um i'll be i'll be honest it surprised me i didn't I, I was kind of wringing my hands when when the invasion started, going, "Oh goodness, we're going to mess this up." Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I am I have been wildly surprised um, from from when we started leaking intelligence on what the Russians were going to do next and what they were going to do next and the, you know everything. That was brilliant. It it threw the Russians off their feet. Um, they didn't they didn't know what to do. We we scrambled a lot of their plans uh, just from that and then getting the getting the our european partners you know up front really quick um and and with them and us moving uh you know military support in very quickly i again was was a big surprise to me um i, I and and i think that was exactly what was needed um but again again there are examples but typically a democratic administration is a little slower to ramp up. Um they're a little more cautious. Now if I may, I I again this is my opinion, but I believe one of the reasons that we were so quick as a country to go in full throated, let's let's you know, let's do this, is that the previous administration spent four years basically destroying our relationship with our partners, with our NATO partners, our partners in Asia um, and basically just rattling the international order. And I think, in, again, my guess, but, but possibly one of the reasons we jumped in so quick under the Biden administration is we need to reassure all of our allies that, you know, we're back. Um, you know, you can count on the United States again. We will go in and defend our, our, our friends. We will defend democracy and the international order, you know, again, we're, we're back.
0: And live up to our NATO commitments. Live up
3: to our NATO commitments, even though, even though Ukraine is not a NATO member, but it's on the doorstep of NATO, and, and you know, it threatens it Correct threatens me NATO. if
0: I'm wrong. Didn't NATO consider membership for Ukraine, but Russia basically vehemently opposed that and C- made threats?
3: Correct. Um, um, R- Ukraine's been trying to get into NATO for several years. Russia has always opposed it. And, you know, and, and we could have a debate on whether we should bring NATO in or not, sure. or bring Ukraine into NATO or not. That's that's a legitimate debate. I mean, but essentially what happened is Europe and the U.S. decided that, you know, we would, to prevent conflict, to prevent further just, you know, disruptions and everything, we would slow roll that. Um, now, again, we can, we can talk about that all night, but, but at the end of the day, you know, Ukraine was not admitted into
0: NATO sure. before the invasion. How do you feel about the coalition that has been built to support Ukraine? I mean, we're not the only ones shipping arms and ammunition right. and and hardware, etc., doing training, things like that. Uh, is the coalition building better, worse, about average? Where do you think think we're at on that?
3: I'm I'm actually very impressed. Again, looking at the past previous four years, where um, it seemed like the White House was doing everything it could to dismantle NATO. Um, and And basically um, you know stiff arm our long time allies um, I'm very impressed that everything came together with our allies so quickly um, and 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 they have you know they they're going to suffer more pain in this than we are you know I, I I just mentioned things like you know disruptions to the grain supply and things like that. Well, Europe depends more on that grain than we do. And they depend even more so on Russian energy, um, so natural gas na- natu- Natural, the natural problems, gas yeah. being the, the primary. Um, so they're you know they're suffering a lot more than we are on this. You think we have high energy costs? I mean, sure. it's skyrocketed over there. And the fact that they were willing to jump in so quickly, there was a little hesitance on Germany's part because it's one of the most dependent on on Russian energy. Um, but they seem to have come around. Um, Particularly after the U.S. and and other allies have promised to help shore up Germany's energy needs, um, so I think again my, my thoughts. But I think after the last four years, I think everybody was eager to come together and show we can work. To, we can all work together again. You know, we're, we're an alliance again.
0: All right, uh, I'm going to take you into some speculation. But you did serve two years under. President Trump's administration. Correct. In intelligent capacity. Um, what do you think would have happened had he won re-election and this had occurred?
3: Again, total speculation. And this is total yeah. speculation. But just, I just, just want your opinion yep.
0: based on your experience and your expertise.
3: Based upon what I saw at the time, I would not expect us to be doing anything near what we're doing now. As a matter of fact, I think we would be doing almost nothing and the whole Ukraine thing would be over and it would now be a province of Russia. Um Russia 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 had more deference in the White House during my 2 years in Washington with the Trump administration than our NATO allies did. Just again, my observations, but Russia Russia had more clout in the White House than than our NATO
0: allies. I see. Okay. okay. Well, I think now would be a good time for a break. Let's take a little break here. And this is David Hicks and WQKR in Portland, Tennessee, and we'll be back right after this message.
4: At the Farmer's Bank, we want to be your bank for life. We work hard to bring you the products and services that will meet your financial needs no matter where life may take you. Whether you're saving for college, ready for retirement, getting ready to marry, or celebrating your golden anniversary, we're here for you. Visit us online at thefarmersbank.net or at any of our 11 area locations to learn more about how the Farmers Bank can be your bank for life. The Farmers Bank, Equal Housing Lender, Member FDIC.
5: It's Cash or Pass at the Mint Gaming Hall this month. Play with your Mint Rewards card all month, and you could be selected to play the Cash or Pass game show. Will you take the cash offer or pass on it with a chance to pick from the prize board to win up to $2,500 cash? Drawings are at 6 and 8 p.m. on Fridays at Bowling Green and Saturdays at Kentucky Downs. You can do this. The TheMintGaming.com has all the details. See you for Cash or Pass at the Mint Gaming Hall. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: If you're looking for a job or a better job, we have good news for you. Habilitation and Training Services, better known as HATS, is looking for direct support professionals, DSP, to work alongside adults with intellectual disabilities by assisting them with community integration, community employment, and activities of daily living in a residential setting. It's a specialized field, but prior experience isn't required. It's a job that's rewarding and meaningful and offers great benefits, including paid time off, health, dental, and life insurance, a retirement program, and longevity pay. And in addition to all that, every night when your day is over, you know you've helped people to have a better life. What a great feeling. What a great job. HATS offers full time, part time, and PRN positions for various shifts in Portland, Gallatin, and Springfield. For more information, call 615 575 1030. That's 615 575 1030. Or go online to HATSTN.org. HATSTN.org. This is a rare opportunity to have a job you love and help other people who need your help. Make the call today, 615-575-1030. You'll be glad you did. The share it with a friend deal,
4: even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules.
3: Who says the perfect friendship doesn't exist? Get 20-piece chicken McNuggets and a basket of fries for only $8.99. Share it with a friend or many friends. Only at McDonald's. For a limited time, prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Welcome back. This is The Loyal Opposition. I'm your guest host, David Hicks, and you're listening to WQKR Portland. It's 75 degrees outside and cloudy at the Municipal Airport, and I'd like to continue the conversation with our guest, Cole Shepard, an expert in military intelligence. Um, Cole, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about to, or add to the Ukrainian discussion before we move on to our next topic, which I know you have even more knowledge of? Well, I'd
3: just very briefly, you know, why does, why does Putin want Ukraine? And I, and I think there's two major reasons. One is, and if you go look, look at what he said and, and what Putin said and what Putin has written for the last 20 years, you know, he laments the end of the Soviet Empire. He, he you know, he desperately wants greater Mother Russia back, um, or at least in his mind, you know, what a greater Mother Russia would look like. Perhaps
0: read back the Soviet Union only more as a dictatorship rather than a communist country. Correct,
3: yeah. correct. Um,
0: so, I mean, and, th- and that explains his
3: in- incursions into Georgia and <clears throat> Georgia, Moldova, Chechnya. You know, other, Chechnya. Um, so that partly goes to explain it. And another thing is, you know, Ukraine is a m- huge country. Um, it's part of the bread, you know, one of the world's bread baskets. Um, it's got a highly educated population, very sophisticated manufacturing. As, as a matter of fact, the most sophisticated military manufacturing in the old Soviet Union took place in Ukraine. Um, when when the Soviet Union broke up, Russia lost you know some of its most sophisticated um, and modern manufacturing locations. Um, so th- I mean, there's a lot of reason but a lot I think most of it goes back to Putin's psychology of, of you know his, his vision of Mother Russia.
0: You know something does occur to me and I, I want to be fair. Um, Before President Trump's administration, Russia took the Crimea and Sevastopol under President Obama. Did we drop the ball there? In hindsight, yes, and and I
3: would, you know, and that's another good example of um, what I would say typically is is a, you know, the reaction of a democratic administration. Don't want to rock the boat, you know, don't want to, don't want to do anything that might send, you know, our young men and women into harm's way. Um, you know, if, if, and, and I, and I, I don't want to use the word appeasement or, or even insinuate, you know, that, that any administration would, would appease, but would it was pull that a Chamberlain. Yeah, or, no, or uh, you know, there's not, I don't even want to insinuate that at all, but I think that it was, it's that typical democratic gradual approach to foreign policy, particularly a crisis where, you know, what's, what's the minimum we can do to get out of this crisis? Um, uh, you know, I that again, in my opinion, um, but but based on my observations, I, I feel confident in that. Uh, so yeah, in hindsight, it was a we we, we could have stopped it then, um, but no one was willing to
0: do it. No one really had the will. Right. And uh, yeah, I see that. Well, in summation, I would I would say I'm actually pleasantly surprised by President Biden's response and his coalition building and the fact that Ukraine, while still struggling. Seems to have a pretty good chance of securing their freedom and at least drawing a stalemate out.
3: I'm my hope. I'm very optimistic, you know. And after spending 30 years, uh, this is the first major conflict I haven't been directly or indirectly involved in. So I'm <laughs> I'm watching it very intently from afar. And so you're I am watching very it
0: impressed. just like the rest of us. Instead of having inside information, you're just having to glean what you can from the open sources. Right. Exactly. That's fast. All right, the next topic I'd like to talk about is that is in the news: China and Taiwan. Now, this has been a hot button since World War II. You know, Taiwan is nationalist China. It's the the remnants of Chiang Kai Shek's regime when he escaped to that island after Mao Zedong drove him off of the mainland, and he set up a nationalist China government. Now, China has always referred to them as a rogue province and they have vehemently opposed anyone recognizing them as a country or treating them like they're a country. They're okay with it being called, I guess, Taiwan, but if somebody calls it, you know, nationalist China, they get a little tetchy. And recently we had uh, Pelosi went and visited that island, which threw the Chinese into a bit of a tizzy. Now, I know you have a lot of background in the Asian and China theater of operations. So my first question, could that cause China to invade Taiwan just by having a visit like that?
3: So the visit itself um, will not cause China to invade Taiwan. I mean, the visit's over. They pitched a fit. um, They launched missiles and did... You know, military training all around Taiwan. I, the saber rattling, Taiwan. saber rattling, basically. Okay. Yeah. What it what it will do, though, is force China to, at least for a period of time, and I don't know what that period of time is, whether it's a year or two years, to to overall ramp up its pressure on Taiwan. It, it's gonna you know it's gonna limit. Ec- There's a lot of economic activity across the Strait. I mean, a tremendous amount. Of inner, inner economic activity between China and Taiwan, they, they're going to do what they can to hurt Taiwan on that. Um, it, you know, they've already limited certain exports to Taiwan. They've limited certain imports f- from Taiwan into China, mainly agricultural products. I expect that will continue. Um, they they will probably also become a little more aggressive with us on the high seas and in the air um, with their military ships and planes. Um, But I don't think, I I, I think the chances of direct conflict between China and Taiwan or between China and us, for the moment, are not, you know, we're not in the red zone at the moment. Um, You know, it's kind of of my feeling right now.
0: Okay, I'll throw out this question. What do you think would be a trigger? And do you think that China – Will eventually get around to invading Taiwan and trying to reclaim that province.
3: So let me let me start with that question first. Um, I I think that China has backed itself into a corner. Um, China has spent the last thirty forty years, well, ever since Deng Xiaoping and and you know China opened up, China spent from that point till now trying to rebuild its national strength, its national pride. You can ask any Chinese person, all 1.3 billion of them, you know, and, and and they can all tell you about you know the the 150 years of humiliation when you know when primarily Western countries carved up parts of China and you know the Opium War and all that. I mean, every Chinese person knows this by heart. Um, so there's a great desire among the Chinese to you know rebuild their country to their perceived former greatness. Um, what what's happened is they have backed themselves into a corner with Taiwan, um, starting with, you know, well starting with Mao, but reinforced beginning with Deng Xiaoping forward, and certainly with the current leader Xi Jinping, they've made regaining China's place on the world contingent upon getting Taiwan. You know, China China tells itself it will be an incomplete country. You know, it will never achieve its former greatness without Taiwan. So they're backing themselves into a corner on that. Um, now, do, does China have a legitimate claim on Taiwan? I don't believe they do. Um, the, 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 you know, if you look back 4,000 years or so of Chinese history, the Chinese emperor has always considered China the center of, of the world. Um, as a matter of fact, China in ch- the world, the, the name for China in Chinese means Middle Kingdom. Um, and they sincerely believe, you know, they believe that. Um, so, so again, that, that helps back them into a corner. Um, but I can tell you, I lived in Taiwan for six years. The people in Taiwan, although most of, most of the vast majority of them are of Chinese heritage, they're about as Chinese as I am British. Um, They are they've been you know, most of those families have been on that island for hundreds of years and they've essentially been self governed for hundreds of years. So they you know, they do not consider themselves Chinese.
0: Okay. Let's go into some speculation. What happens if a conflict breaks out over Taiwan? That's how would that affect the world? How would it affect us here? In
3: Tennessee. The first thing that – the first big impact or or the first thing that would cause the big ripples and waves to crash upon our shores here in Portland is, you know, we all know everything's made in China. Um, Now, we're all trying to change that to the best we can, but basically everything's made in China. You would basically see Walmart be empty because um, shipping – whether we imposed a blockade or or sanctions or not – Shipping would not come in in and out of that area for insurance reasons. So Walmart would have, been, you know, I mean, put it in simplest terms. You know, Walmart would be, you know, an, an, an empty echoing cavern of a building um, <laughs> with, if 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 a major war broke out with China and another country. Uh, the,
0: second, well, the second that would also probably affect all the stuff coming out of Korea. Absolutely, and absolutely. Vietnam now has become a bigger exporter, yeah. and so that whole Asian market would be pretty much
3: shut down. Uh, pretty much. I mean, some, some of them could you know, export down around the Malacca Straits and Singapore and kind of avoid China, but you're right. Uh, generally speaking, it would disrupt sh- trade. All across Asia,
0: but isn't the Malacca Straits, uh, the South China Sea, a, a flashpoint? I mean, hasn't it is China,
3: China also claims the entire South China Sea,
0: and they have established military presences down there that are pretty formidable. They keep they're even building islands. They're right? building
3: islands. Um, they are formidable in a way. They they in a conflict they probably couldn't be resupplied and all that. So you know, after about thirty days, they'd start to get hungry and thirsty. Okay. Um, but initially, yes, you know, they're kind of formidable. But but it would be disruptive. Now, the other big issue with a Chinese invasion of Taiwan is what are we going to do? We have pledged support for Taiwan. Taiwan is not a treaty ally like, you know, our NATO friends are, but we have pledged support for Taiwan, and they're a vibrant democracy. Um, you know, they they also provide us with a lot of economic benefits. Um, so I think we would provide some level of support to Taiwan. Oh, you know, I, it, we won't know until that moment what level of support we're going to provide. Are we going to send our young men and women, you know, into harm's way to help defend Taiwan? Are we going to help them break a blockade? You know, what or, – or would we go the Ukraine route trying to get weapons and stuff into Taiwan? The problem with that is Taiwan's an island if they if China blockades the entire island – we can't just truck stuff in like we're doing with Ukraine whose western border is open to Europe and we can mm-hmm. freely cross it. So so it's going to be it's going to be if if it were to happen, it would be extremely delicate and extremely serious.
0: And yeah, probably pretty difficult.
3: Very it'd be very are difficult. Are we still
0: stationing uh attack subs in the Taiwan Strait? Are they still going through <laughs> there pretty frequently?
3: Uh, I can't comment on Submarines. Well, because um, I know
0: that they but, were, for time, you know, what they'll do to, it, when when China starts showing some aggression, right. they'll go through not submerged.
3: They will go through, right, they'll go through surfaced. Um, yeah. We, I still try to keep up with that, but I I am not aware, and, and nor necessarily would I be, but I'm not aware of a submarine going through surfaced lately, in the last year or two. We have sent several surface ships through, um, and we continue to do that on a routine basis. Um, but I, I am not specifically aware of a, of a surface submarine going
0: through. Okay, so let's 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 play like let's come up with just a based on your years in in the service, um, compare and contrast. How do you think the Republican administrations would respond versus the Democratic? administrations respond to a Taiwanese invasion or attempted invasion? Right. Um, Again, a lot of this depends on who the
3: president is from whichever party because the personality of the president is going to drive a lot of that, but generally speaking, I think what I said earlier about general characteristics of Republican or Democratic administrations would probably hold. I think that Generally speaking, a Democratic administration might be a little slow to respond. They're 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 going you know they're they're going to want to talk diplomacy. Um, they're going to, want to put sanctions in first and things like that. Kind of a ramp up. Where I think, gen- again, generally speaking, a Republican administration would be a little more quicker to put military forces, maybe carrier task force
0: groups and things like that. A
3: little pro- and. And a Democratic administration may do that, too, but I would expect a Republican one to move them
0: closer <laughs>
3: than, than a Democrat it administration. It maybe be a little
0: less hesitant. A little less hesitant, To engage. Yeah, yeah. Now,
3: okay. and, I, and I'm not necessarily making a value judgment on either one sure. of those. It, because
0: – I mean, we're, we're in total speculation right, land here. Right, Okay, there's really – I mean, you can kind of maybe draw some inferences based on the years of, of history. Right. Because, you know, history does paint a picture – but if you had asked me before the Ukraine invasion, would a Democratic president support at the level that we have seen in Ukraine, I would have probably busted out laughing. Right. I Same here. I would not have expected that at all. Right. Not, not,
3: not that much that fast. Yes.
0: You're right. So, okay. Um, the last question I'd like to talk about and give you a little time because we had mentioned this. Um, how do you think the administrations, Republican versus Democrat, respond to foreign intelligence operations here in the United States designed to influence elections? So, I mean, that's, that's been a big issue in the news
3: the, the 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 big intelligence services from russia china and others um, absolutely play in our politics um absolutely now and, and i'll use russia as an example because they're mo- they're the most egregious example i mean from almost the founding of the soviet union they have played a detrimental role in in us politics um, in, in, the, in the 30s, 40s, it was primarily supporting, you know, socialists, communists, people like that. Um, it evolved in the 60s to basically supporting anyone who was causing disruption in American society. Um, the Cold War kind of gotten actually more intense. Um, Russia decided they can't cause a communist revolution in the United States, so they're just going to do everything they can basically to kick us. Um, they're just you know kicks in the shins so you know they supported everybody from the weather other un- underground to in the in talking about the 60s everybody from the weather underground to you know far right um, John Birch society you know you name it if if it was disruptive to American society the Russians were were egging it on they still do that today um, they you know w- we all know how deeply Russia um, was embedded, at least for a time, in the National Rifle Association. Um, that was an attempt to, again, just antagonize you know, sectors of the U.S. population. And, and again, they don't just do that on the right. They do it wherever they can find the opportunity. They're very oppor- opportunistic in that respect. It just so happens during the Trump administration, they were. it was much easier and they could cause much more havoc by in, infiltrating far-right groups. Um, but, but they would also inf- infiltrate far-left groups and then pit the two against each other just, just to watch the fight.
0: Well, anything um, that would basically reduce stability. Correct. Right? correct. The, more, the more conflict they can right. generate, the less attention we have for whatever they're trying to pull off someplace else. Exactly, and, and it weakens our national power. I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the game. Yeah. That's the intelligence.
3: Um, others do that. China, to some extent, although China is mostly interested in stealing technology. I mean, that's their number one goal. But they also do, um, in their own way, play the same game Russia does, but not near, to the, not near the extent of Russia. Um, and, and so, again, you know, Russia is the main player in, as far as trying to destabilize the U.S. system based upon, you know, intelligence operations.
0: Okay, well, that's all our time for today. Um, I'd like to thank Cole Shepherd for sharing his knowledge and expertise with us here today. Thank you for um, having me. I'm hoping maybe someday we could bring you back, because I think there's a lot of other really in- interesting topics that we could discuss with you. Um, Len will be back next week with another great show, so please join us here at WQKR at 5 p.m. for another episode of The Loyal Opposition. And be sure to follow us on Facebook. Leave your comments at Loyal Oppo. That's it for the day. For the Loyal Opposition, I'm David Hicks, and this is WQKR. See you next time.
4: Want to add a new look to your kitchen with an appliance package? Stop at D.T. McCall & Sons, located at 1220 Scottsville Road in Lafayette, Tennessee. The Samsung package includes a refrigerator at $2299.99, stainless range $899.99, stainless dishwasher $799.99, and a 19 cubic foot microwave at $299.99, all for only $3,614.99 after mail-in rebate. The freezer to store all your summer produce. Purchase a 20-foot Frigidaire, frost-free, garage-ready for only $999.99. New shipment: GE washers, $599.99; dryers, $569.99; stationary fusion sofas, $799.99. Serving militancy for over a hundred years. Free delivery and recycling within 125 miles of Carthage, Tennessee. Stop by today. D.T. McCall and Sons at 1220 Scottsville Road in Lafayette, Tennessee. Hey!
5: What does Casasa mean to you? If you have a checking account, Casasa means free banking. That's right. Casasa Cash and Casasa Saver are free reward-based accounts offered only at Volunteer State Bank. No minimum balance to earn the rewards, no monthly service fee, free online banking, and nationwide ATM fee refunds. It's a free checking account that rewards volunteer state bank customers with high interest for every month you qualify available only at volunteer state bank member fdic equal housing lender
2: Portland's only locally-owned hometown pharmacy is Portland Prescription Shop, 705 South Broadway, with a convenient location, convenient hours, and a free delivery service for all local residents. If you're a former customer of Village Drugs, which closed at the end of March, Portland Prescription Shop will be happy to be your new home for all of your pharmacy and prescription needs. Open Monday through Friday from 8.30 until 5.30 and Saturday 8.30 till 1.00, Portland Prescription Shop accepts all insurance plans, a big selection of over-the-counter non-prescription medications and sundries, and a $1 and $2 section with a big selection of items at super-saving prices. Locally owned and operated, Mike and the friendly staff are looking forward to helping you with all of your pharmacy and medical needs. COVID home testing kits are available now at Portland Prescription Shop, 705 South Broadway. Hometown service, convenience, and free local delivery. Portland Prescription Shop.
1: Did you know that practicing gratitude promotes a positive mindset, strengthens your self-esteem, reduces stress and anxiety, and improves sleep? Hi, Michelle Harbin, certified nutrition coach and owner of Harbin Hollow Local Market here. Being in a state of appreciation is a large part of my daily wellness routine. Since opening Harbin Hollow, I give thanks daily for the many opportunities our little market provides. I'm grateful for the farmers and small batch artisans who share their crops, products, and talents with us. I am grateful for our team and the sense of family we foster. And I am beyond thankful for the Portland community and each of you that continually chooses to shop small and spread the local love. Visit Harbin Hollow Local Market to enjoy local meats, dairy, baked goods, bath and body products, handmade jewelry, and more. Remember, 67 cents of every dollar you spend at a local small business stays right here in our community. Join me in a moment of gratitude for the opportunity to support so many local folks. And come see us at 809 North Broadway in Portland to shop local today.
5: Sumner Regional Medical Center believes that every person has the right to dignity, respect, and compassion as we journey through the cycle of life. That's why they have created High Point Hospice. Our team of doctors, nurses, hospice aides, social workers, chaplains, and volunteers will walk by your side, offering support.